0: Hello everyone and welcome to the Best Damn Camp, a world and Vest read long and analysis podcast that sets out to read all the books by Rick Riordan in timeline order. I'm your host Fran and welcome to the show. I just want to start things off by um, saying that my episodes in current, uh, well, in the weeks that may be following may be a little bit slower than normal. My mental and physical health has been declining a lot recently. Um <sighs> yeah so that's um just the thing so i just want to put it here so you guys are aware i'm getting this episode out even though i am still a bit off because i want to explain to you but also want to get some content out to you guys as well um i also want to add here that with everything that's been going on in the world and the increase in recent years of hate against the asian community I just want to let everyone know that in the episode show notes, there will be information and cards that you can follow the links to to go and help, support, donate, and all these sort of things to help the Asian community, both in America and other countries also. Uh, If you have any resources yourselves for your country or for more global things... For the Asian community, please do send it my way, and I will add it into the episode show notes alongside all the links I have for Black Lives Matter and support trans lives movements. Also, the fact that I have to bring this up—it's been an ongoing problem in recent years, and it's unfortunate that it's taken a few more horrific events for people to really get for for people outside of the asian community to start speaking about it more and supporting their fellow human beings is devastating um as it is so if you can do something to help do so and there are links in the episode show notes to help guide you in that way um to any of my listeners who are Asian just know I support you if there's anything that I can do to help or anything I can do to share to help spread the word um I'm going to be doing it as best I can just know that um I support you I love you and I see you I'm so sorry that this is happening and that it's taken something awful for people just to realize um yeah, I just wanted to get this out here before diving in because I don't think it will be fair to do that. I, I'm sorry I haven't done it with previous episodes, I've recorded so many things in advance, so I didn't have the opportunity to add that in for, um, with them being scheduled out. But I've been having the information in all of my episode show notes for the last month, but I just want to announce it here so everyone knows that it's there, so you can go follow those links. Um, to go into something that hopefully will help guys feel better and to add some light to your day (laughs) i am going to be diving into the next few chapters of our timeline from the last olympian chapter 13 a titan brings me a present and chapter 14 pigs fly so hopefully a smile will be brought to your face listening to this because as you know i always have a lot to say and of course as always i have my points to focus on as well So today we've got characters, mythology, plot convenience and generally what I thought of it. But to begin, here's the synopsis. Our truce peace talks begin and, well, the odds are not in our favour. Learning a secret, our team head back with hope at their fingertips, but not in a good way. After rest, we fight again at this not very little piggy. Comes to kill the market. Um, I was very proud of that final line, so I hope you guys liked that because I was very impressed with the fact that I came up with that. Um, but before I show off the fact that I was very excited about that, let's just dive on into Chapter Thirteen. A Titan brings me, brings not prince brings me a present, and here is the overview for Chapter Thirteen. A trickster named Prometheus comes to Barter. He represents a good argument, but Talia isn't swayed. Our heroes are surrounded, and it seems that there is no hope left. And then we learn the full story of May Castellan's fate, and how the gods stood idle when it came to Luke. With the barter rejected by Percy, he is given a gift. If the war turns sour, all he has to do is give up hope. Ah, we love symbolism. (laughs) Um, and yeah, that is the overview for chapter thirteen. Now, the two things I want to focus on for this chapter are characters and mythology, and particularly with characters, I want to focus on Ethan Nakamura. Now, Ethan is a character that I'm truly fascinated by, and I'm kind of frustrated that he doesn't have much of a character. Which I really do hope, actually, that the Percy Jackson Disney series does expand on him a little bit more. Even having him as just like a side character at camp, at camp, at camp Half Blood like, earlier on, and we kind of recognise him, we hear his name, to show, like, this resentment that builds and him finally leaving and disappearing. Um, I think that'd be really interesting. But anyway, just to get on to his character in general, the thing that I want to talk about is that the reality that he's showing to Percy, and the frustrating bit that Percy still doesn't get it, is that he's providing a really good argument of why he's joined the Titans, and why He's continued to betray, betray Percy. Like he is a forgotten child of Olympus. He's one that's been regulated basically to obscurity because he's godly. His godly parent, Nemesis, the goddess of revenge, isn't seen as significant, or just basically just seen as insignificant to the gods, but also to demigods, as Percy himself proves. Like he, Percy literally says. Nemesis isn't a god that should be respected because she's a goddess of revenge. I'm like, mate, and you're saying that Ares is a god that should be respected considering how much you hate him? Nemesis is the one that you've got an issue with? Really? <laughs> like, he's met a lot of gods and he knows how terrible that they can be and yet he has the ghoul to say that one... That he doesn't know, he doesn't fully understand, because this is Percy, he doesn't understand how to, you know, research the, the world he's a part of. Um, he doesn't realise that Nemesis represents this sense of balance in the world. But he's proving Ethan's point at this moment. He's showing that there is so little respect and care for gods that aren't part of the Twelve like even Hestia hardly anyone knows about Hestia and she was a 12 until she stepped aside she's not respected either does that mean that you know she should stop being being cared about like Ethan is a child who if he had been at camp or if he was at camp would have been shoved into the homies cabin and completely forgotten about because no one cares his, like, even if he found out his mum's name like imagine if his mum did claim him at camp he has nowhere to go, he would, even though he's claimed, he would still be in Hermes cabin, because there's nowhere for him to go, and there's this whole moment that he has where he describes, says why he lost an eye, and it's because, well, losing an eye is a small price to pay to make sure that we are respected, and I kind, I really appreciate that, and this is, it was a beautiful moment and then percy and his himbo ass didn't understand it disrespected him further and just proved his point and this is the thing that i do bring up about percy a lot is that and even there's some i don't know if it's part it's kind of a little bit of part of the writing as well there are some incredibly deep themes of the sense of loyalty and what well, respect as well but the fact that it only goes one way—that that there are people being forgotten—and yet our main character doesn't seem to see anything wrong with that fact. He doesn't see anything wrong with Ethan being discarded by the Olympians and by Camp Halfblood, technically at the same time with their cabins. Like he doesn't s- fully see anything wrong with that, and other demigods don't seem to either well the ones who are claimed and have their own cabin at least and so it's just a really interesting commentary that I kind of do wish was shown more in the books and was appreciated and understood by Percy especially considering what happens at the end of the book like if he's starting this one and this is all like in a couple of days he starting this way believing yeah no them and you should be disrespected like why should we care about her And then ends the way that he does. And obviously I'll talk about that when we get to that point. It just feels a little bit like... How has he managed to change his mind in like three days when his mind has been stuck on this for like four years? Oh no. It's just, it was a really interesting point about Ethan's character that um, I'm half frustrated by the fact that it's not really... It's not diving into enough for me to appreciate the level that this element of characterisation gives to the story because it's not really given enough. But to move on to mythology now, actually, especially with the fact that Prometheus is playing the biggest role in this chapter. Prometheus's story is kind of... It's given a little bit here with the fact that he was punished by the gods for providing curiosity and new ways of living, particularly fire, for the humans. And in this moment... He's also offering something more to Percy. He's offering the ability to continue and show the full story that the dog, that the dogs <sighs> that the gods don't give. He shows Percy that Hermes and the gods themselves knew of Luke's fate and did nothing, damning him so much so because they wouldn't stop fate. Hermes knew that whole time From and admittedly there is the trickster element of Prometheus so we don't technically know but considering May has said something similar within her words of her own prophecy of Luke it stands to reason that she knew what was happening which meant Hermes figured it out which meant the gods figured it out and yet they damned Luke all the same and Percy ends up having the similar thoughts of like if maybe he'd cared for Luke more none of this would have happened but Prometheus then goes on to show that the gods punish those who go against him they punish Pandora his cousin no uh, sister-in-law I think it's sister-in-law uh Maria so Nico's mother she's murdered just so Hades can uh, just so Zeus can try and kill the two demigod kids uh they punish prometheus for trying to help humans they punish the oracle because they can't punish each other um so everyone who is innocent falls at their hands because they can um and the pandora story is brought up because uh pandora's pithos is given here with hope inside which is what percy can use if they surrender he just lets go of hope in the pithos so her story and her as a person is used as this symbolism here she was punished in prometheus's words for his actions and for human curiosity to prove a point to humanity for them to stay in their place and that's kind of true like pandora's story like as we're, we're taught about it in schools is this idea that like the whole curiosity killed the cat But then no one ever remembers that directly after that continued is but satisfaction brought him back it's sort of that whole thing you hear one side of the story but you're not hearing the full of it that's saying curiosity you know it'll kill you forgetting the fact that actually satisfying that curiosity is a good thing you can enjoy life more by being curious and learning um so it's really interesting um, they just kind of see that shown in Pandora and kind of that extra message of like curiosity is a good thing it shouldn't be a punishment um, and I kind of really appreciate that this, that side in this uh, in this interaction with Prometheus just hearing about that a little bit more and getting that side of mythology and look at it from a different perspective like it's still taught now that Pandora's box is a warning of curiosity Um, when, you know, I wouldn't agree. (laughs) But um, yeah, I kind of, I really appreciate that. But to move on to the next chapter, actually, to go into chapter 14, Pigs Fly, here is the overview for that chapter. Concerns for Annabeth are stir-bound, but it's now time for sleep. Dreams of current events and a history lesson find Percy in it. With a fitful wake, it's time for battle, and things are not looking good. The battle in the woods go- is going full steam ahead, with one Titan down, it seems. Oh no! Flying Piglet! Flying Piglet! It sounds like I said Piglet. <laughs> I guess that could work. Anyway, sorry. Thankfully for Percy, he is a smart talking Pegasus who can help him out. With some help from Annabeth, kinda. The pig is destroyed, but the job isn't finished yet. Now the thing that I want to talk about this chapter, and this is where I'm going to get slightly into more negatives in this regard, is that this chapter feels a full lot like plot convenience abound. Particularly in regards to the, the dreams, but also to the Achilles curse element. Um, so I just want to get into the dreams element because that's the bit that kind of you guys know how much that frustrates me as a whole. Is it just it gives everything away without us or Percy ever earning it. And in this case it's the history dreams. So we learn in one of the dreams that he has that May received the curse of the Oracle because she tried to become the new Oracle, which is why she has like these fits. All these sort of things, and just in general, it is—it was kind of disappointing because this would have been a fantastic opportunity to show that Percy isn't an idiot and can put two and two together. Like he's learnt about the curse of the Oracle from Hestia. I think it was—it was before. Was it before? It was either before or directly after. He met may and saw you know the effects of it and what that means and then he's seen may herself and the fact that she has green eyes a little bit of smoke and knows that it's like the oracle so it is not difficult to put two and two together it's like ah oh, she's showing signs of being the oracle but she's not the oracle hey the oracle has a curse on her which means another person cannot host the oracle hmm a curse and someone who was cursed i wonder if they're connected like it, it's not <laughs> difficult. It would have been a fantastic opportunity to show Percy having this intellect of being able to figure this out. And then when he figured that out in those moments after May, he then goes back to Camp Half-Blood. He could have confronted, no not Camp Half-Blood, does he go to New Wherever he meets them, I think it's New York actually. He can then confront or ask Chiron about it and have it confirmed this this dream sequence of learning this historical information just just feels disingenuous to percy's character like he can be smart but he needs to be given the chance to be smart instead of just being given the information it's sort of that whole thing of like it's the main character not plot armor because that's the protection of death although he does also have plot armor it's sort of the main character symptom they get everything without always having to earn it and that Percy has that a lot like he learns so much information without going out of his way to earn the learning of that information it's just given to him um also the other dream that we have is about his enemy and like where they are where they're coming what's going to happen all these sort of things and I get that it's useful but in terms of Writing and sort of suspense-based element, it'd be better to just learn that within the story itself for tension. Like we have that moment where he's woken up by Annabeth, and then Talia comes. No, Annabeth, not Talia. I've written Talia, but no, it was Annabeth. Annabeth comes in and says where everything is happening and what is happening, and he already knows. So it's kind of like, oh, well, that's we know what's happening. So if we didn't know that information and Annabeth had come in and said we've got to get going there such and such I don't remember the place there are too many names in New York um we've got to get going we we got to help sort of thing like knowing that the enemy are there just when he wakes up similar to what happened I think in a similar chapter but slightly different it would have to be it would be really scary and you would feel the tension of that moment of oh gods what do we do now we've got to They've got huge numbers, we're outnumbered, what do we do? And sort of that anxiety, so we can work towards it, it can build it up. But having us just know that information from the dream, it loses that bit of suspense of person being like, Oh yeah, I know, I had a dream about it. I'm like, oh. Okay. <laughs> well I don't care now then. <laughs> um and just kinda adding like from where I mentioned about the plot arm a bit as well. This whole chapter in general because of the curse of achilles fight scenes have and i mentioned this previously the fight scenes have lost their edge he is invulnerable we don't feel any form of anxiety for him we know he can't die unless someone gets the spot but that's always you know covered up by armor like he's well protected so we don't feel anxious when he's going into battle which means that the fights with him because obviously we're following him we only see his fights really there's no anxiety there's no oh god could he lose sort of situation then add to the fact that it took two to three pages for the most powerful titan beside chronos in, but in terms of fighting it took two to three pages for him to be defeated the most powerful titan. So now, the anxiety of how difficult it's going to be beat, to beat Kronos is gone. Like, we've just defeated one of the most powerful titans in two to three pages. It, like, it took nothing. Except a bit of teamwork. So the the whole power of friendship situation. Um, so it just... It's things like that. So it's the, the plot armour, we've got plot convenience, the heroes always win sort of sitch. So just, it just, it falls flat at this point and it is just a little bit disappointing. I think it could have been handled a little bit better in terms of making sure, basically just in terms of improving Percy's character by having him appear smart, by him figuring out the whole May situation on his own without a dream. Finding a way to make the fight scenes feel a little bit more significant with the fact that Percy now literally has plot armour. And then making it more difficult to defeat the most powerful titan. Like seriously, the fact that it took nothing is disappointing. (sighs) Just kind of overall, I know I kind of ended a more sour note there, Um, but just overall like these two chapters, in comparison to the few that we've had before. While these ones are interesting and informative in the fights and just the way in which they work together is amazing, it does just fall a little flat in terms of that building tension, the fight elements, and yeah, just in comparison to previous chapters, I feel like these two just weren't as strong. I think the first, I think chapter 13 was a little stronger because we had more character based elements, but chapter 14 is where it kind of falls flat a little bit more in comparison to to other elements and other chapters we've had um so yeah that's (laughs) that's where I'm at but to kind of go into something that you guys can engage in of course we have this week's question of the episode so I want to know since Percy gained the curse of Achilles have the fight scenes lost their impact for you like it has for me I feel I know I've asked I've asked a lot of questions about the Achilles curse but it, it keeps popping up so I keep I'm keeping being aware of it because it's the all I can think about whenever it happens but yeah I want to know how ha- have they kind of lost their impact for you so obviously that question will be going up on our social media um, on Instagram Twitter wherever you follow us um, if you follow us on both at Best Um and you can post your answers there or you can email them to me at the same time final reminder here remember that in the episode show notes there are resources to help support um, the Asian community, the black community and the trans community at the moment as well, with everything that's going on. If you have more resources, do send them my way and I will add them to the episode show, no- show notes. Um, don't keep quiet about these things. Speak out as much as you can um, and hopefully doing so will make some kind of a difference. Um, I just, yeah, I want to thank you guys all for joining me today for these chapters. Be sure to join me next Wednesday, hopefully, as we continue our Royal Universe journey. To plug where you can find our podcasts, we are available on Spotify, where please click the follow button, Apple Podcasts, where you can click subscribe, add a rating and a review, uh, Boom, Stitcher, Deezer, and I think pretty much every podcast platform at the moment also. In the meantime, between episodes, you can find the Best Damn Camp on various social media, at Best Damn Camp Pod on Instagram and Twitter. If you want to email me with your own thoughts, you can email thebestdamncamp at hotmail.com and I will read it out at the end of the show. If you want to support me making this content, check me out on Patreon at a healthy dose of Fran. Want to know more about my own upcoming writing, drop me a follow at a dose of Fran on Instagram, Twitter and TikTok. Again, thank you guys for tuning in. As always, I've been Fran, your very own Hunter. I'll see slash speak to you guys next time. Bye.